Aides to soon-to-be President Joe Biden say soon after he's officially sworn in tomorrow, he'll take immediate executive action on his top priorities. We're going to get to work delivering results right away on day one. Welcome back to Left Road Expansion. I'm Brett Hillsberg. On this podcast, we will be talking about our expectations for the Biden presidency that is starting this week and how current policy proposals will, if implemented properly, affect Democrats' election chances in 2022 and 2024. The first major policy promise that Biden can and will likely accomplish is $2,000 checks to every eligible American adult that makes less than $75,000 per year. This will cover all of those who are unemployed and struggling to pay rent or put food on the table. Biden will also be expected to expand COVID testing using the Defense Production Act that allows the president to commandeer industrial production for national security purposes. The president-elect also plans on increasing spending to get more vaccines produced and dispersed to the American people. On day one, Biden will rejoin the World Health Organization that Trump had the U.S. leave in July over his accusations that the WHO covered for China during COVID's initial outbreak. Additionally, my personal favorite part of Biden's COVID relief plan is the $10,000 in federal student loan forgiveness that Biden wants to see used as an economic stimulant. Biden also promised that he will repeal Trump's signature tax cut law of 2017 and raise corporate taxes from 21% under Trump's law to the previous level of 28%. Overall, the theme of Biden's first 100 days as president will be defined as a reversal of Trump-era policies and coronavirus relief. I think that this is a strong position to start at if Biden is ultimately successful in giving out COVID relief and getting vaccines to move out faster. Biden has signaled support for a John Lewis Voting Rights Act inspired by the late civil rights icon and Georgia congressman that passed away in 2020. The new Voting Rights Act is going to be introduced in the Senate once Schumer becomes majority leader and, if passed, will protect voters in historically discriminatory states, move forward with a national automatic voter registration system, and expand mail-in voting and early person voting. This is a smart move. Democrats need to seize back the electoral advantage from Republicans. Not only is this beneficial to Dems in the long run, but it's also good for the health of our republic. This shouldn't be treated as a partisan battle at all. Republicans have had no qualms about suppressing votes from demographics unfavorable to them. So if anything, Democrats should be treated as heroes for bringing back protections and easier voting for citizens of Republican-controlled states. I believe that this bill should be passed at all costs, even if the filibuster is eliminated to do so. Nothing that the Democrats do for the public will be enough to preserve Democratic majorities in Congress if Republican states are ultimately successful in suppressing the votes of their Democratic residents. Biden won the election by 6 million votes nationally, but the geography of the Electoral College made this election a nail-biter. Biden only won by 40,000 votes across four states. Everything the Democrats can do to expand these margins very much matter. The wild card of Biden's first two years in office will likely be Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, the Senate's most conservative Democratic senator. 
As Manchin is from a very heavily red state of West Virginia, he is not likely to support any causes that would be considered quote-unquote socialism or endanger his re-election chances in 2024. However, if I were Manchin, I'd vote these programs into law and then I'd talk up the positive results of these programs rather than fighting accusations of socialism. When you take a label of socialism off the program, it inherently becomes more popular. According to a Kaiser Family Foundation poll of the Affordable Care Act, aka Obamacare, it's a quote-unquote socialist program that has a 55% approval rating and 58% of the public does not want the Supreme Court to overturn the law. To put these numbers in perspective, Obamacare remained 14 percentage points higher in popularity than the average Trump approval rating of his entire presidency. If Trump, or any other politician for that matter, had an approval rating of 55%, the odds of beating them in an election would be slim to none. Anyway, Biden will need Manchin on board for all policy initiatives due to the razor-thin majority that keeps the Senate in the hands of Democrats. And Joe Biden isn't much of a progressive hero himself, so I wouldn't expect any monumental forward-thinking changes to U.S. politics coming out of this administration. That said, the advantage that progressives have to having Biden in office rather than Trump is that Biden is vulnerable to pressure. If enough members of the Democratic Congressional Caucuses want to do something, Biden can possibly be convinced to do it, whereas Trump would flatly ignore any calls to action. Sadly, there will not be a Medicare for All bill being signed into law within the next four years. But we may be able to create a public option healthcare plan for middle-aged Americans that are not yet able to enroll in Medicare. This could move the baby boomer generation slightly to the left and make them warmer to larger encompassing healthcare reform that younger generations want to see implemented. This is not the ideal approach though as even something as relatively conservative as the Affordable Care Act had initial polls of only about 40% favorability and that's coming from mostly Democrats with low independent numbers and virtually no Republicans supporting it. No matter what Dems put in the next congressional bill, the Republicans will demonize it and it will likely be effective messaging on their part. After the break, we will discuss more items that Biden can do to both do a good job and increase Democrats' chances of winning future elections. Stay tuned. Do you have a thirst for independent music that you can't seem to quench? Check out my SoundCloud at BHBeats. Welcome back. Let's discuss some things that Democrats can do now to make sure that they have a fair path to winning future elections. We already know that Biden will grant relief to many paranoid DACA recipients that would have been cruelly forced to leave the country for a quote-unquote home that they don't know. It's critical that Democrats push to create a real and short path to citizenship for DACA recipients. According to the Department of Homeland Security, there's around 643,430 DACA recipients across the United States, and most of them are very young and grateful to Democrats for their protection and opportunities. Making these young people formal citizens of the United States is the right thing to do, and as a bonus, most of them would likely be loyal voters to Democrats for years to come. Think about that. That's possibly a half million new loyal Democratic voters in all areas across the country that could help out with these problems of slim margins and geography. One item that I see is not explicitly on the agenda that is a missed opportunity is the Puerto Rico statehood question. 
On the same day as the 2020 general election, Puerto Ricans had a referendum on the status of their islands. They decided by a small margin that they would prefer to be a full U.S. state. This would help Puerto Rico's large looming financial problems as states have more opportunities to control their debts, as well as give their citizens proper representation in Congress with more power to rally support for disaster relief as climate change is making hurricanes stronger in the Caribbean. This would be beneficial to the rest of the country as the island's demographics lean heavily Democratic and would strengthen the Democratic caucuses in Washington, but it is also the right thing to do. Same with Washington, D.C. I was on the fence about this for a while, but as we all watched in horror last week, the National Guard was slow to deploy to the Capitol building while it was being sieged by Trump supporters. No one is sure if the political appointees of Trump or Trump himself caused a delay in deployment, but we can be sure that if D.C. was a state and had a governor, the troops would have been deployed much quicker. A rogue president such as Donald Trump should never have total control over an entire city's population without at least another district executive with National Guard deployment powers. The end-all be-all here would be that we could possibly have two new states in the Union and a long-term more Democratic Congress because of it. Both Puerto Rico and D.C. would enjoy the benefits of financial and political protections of being states and it would be great for the party. There is no downside here. If Democrats will still be afraid of using their political power to both the country's and party's benefit, then they will be forever subject to the Republican Party's minority control. According to the Washington Post, it is reported in 2017 that current migration trends across the U.S. will result in 70% of the U.S. population as a whole living only in 15 states by 2040. At that point, the Senate will be in firmly Republican hands if political voting trends stay the same. Democrats need to act now while they have the House, Senate, and presidency to make every single vote for them count as it should. The attacks will come from Fox, OAN, and Newsmax that these reforms and entrances of new states to the Union is nothing but a power grab and despotic, but we have to be honest with the American public that these moves are the right thing to do first and foremost and gives representation in government to people that deserve it. I hope that Biden and Democratic congressional leadership has the courage to push for these reforms. It may very well be the saving grace of the party if the 2022 or 2024 elections don't end up going well for the Dems. After the break, we'll talk about what the Democrats can do to prepare for the 2022 and 2024 campaigns. Stay with us. Hi, everyone. For more content, please follow our Twitter and Instagram pages at Leftward Expansion. All right. My best advice to get the ball rolling for 2022 and 2024. This might be a fairly obvious conclusion for the best campaign strategies moving forward, but the most powerful message that the Democratic Party can send to the American people in preparation for those two elections coming up is to just do a good job now. While Democrats have their thin majority, they need to be productive and make a positive difference in people's lives. The Biden administration and congressional Democrats need to constantly show the legislation that they are passing is helping people out. Biden is entertaining raising the minimum wage to $15 per hour nationally and increasing subsidies for the Affordable Care Act to include middle class and upper middle class households. If these measures pass and the COVID vaccine operations are largely successful, 
then there will be a lot of goodwill that is created toward the administration from the American people. Although redistricting in the aftermath of the census may be tough on Democrats, with more difficult congressional maps moving forward, enough results to show off fighting coronavirus with vaccines across the country and expanding programs to help all Americans can provide a direct contrast to the Trump administration and remind the average American what real leadership looks like and hopefully to never trust the Republican Party again with political power. This is of course optimistic, but then again, we also just had the highest election turnout in American history and sent two Democratic senators from the state of Georgia to Washington. I think we can do this. That's the show for today. Thank you for listening to Leftward Expansion. Congratulations to the new president of the United States. You have a big job on your hands, and I hope you take my advice. We're counting on you. Take care, everyone.